All right. Well, Jessica, thanks for joining me today. Um, you're, my, you're my last one of the day, so I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Cool. So, director of coaching at South Shore Select, what does that mean to you? What's that responsibility? What's that role look like to you? It's a heavy responsibility, right? Yeah. Like, I think I work with some really great people, so the job is somewhat easy, right? right? But overseeing, I don't oversee anyone, everyone, but we have over 850 members wow. in the club as far as families go. So you have 850 children playing in the club, and then times that by parents, right? So right. Siblings, some siblings we have in the system, there are three or four. Yeah. Right. And so you get to build relationships, which is amazing. And even though it's a big club, it's a small club because everybody knows everybody. So from the work that's being done, it's all about the soccer piece, right? right. And then select in joining in June, like I've, I'm being bombarded and I'm on this roller coaster of understanding like what the select difference is. And that's yeah. what they call it. And select it's like, yeah, and yeah, it's everything else besides the soccer. So it's community service or. Gosh, Halloween is their most favorite holiday. Really? Oh my goodness. Is it a big dress up thing? It's a big dress up What's thing. What's the favorite candy? We're asking think, the important questions. Uh, I think it's like airheads. Anything airheads, like. Really? Yeah. Really? Airheads. They don't favorite go, candy. Yeah. That's what they that's, gravitate towards. Like is the, that the select difference? Because that's, that's the select difference. They sell it in the concession, concession stand too. They have uh, Sour Patch Kids, Swedish Fish. Like those are the go-tos. See, more just chocolate person. But anyway, yeah. anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yes, I know. But uh, it's a big holiday for the kids. So each each team sets up a tent essentially, okay. and they decorate it as oh, that's is. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And like one family had like a laser show. Another family had popcorn. Yeah. Like uh, one of the teams I coach, uh, a mom is a makeup artist. Okay. She's drawing scars on yeah. people. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's that was probably awesome. my first taste of like, sure. the select difference. Gotcha. Uh, that's but it's cool. fun. Yeah. 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 What, um, so you started recently, so June. June. Yeah. So what in six six months, seven months, what has been your biggest challenge so far? And what, and what are you trying to implement over the, the course of time? Yeah, I mean, the club has been around for a long time, right? It, it started with an individual, uh, Wanda Lima, and he developed players so well. He had such a huge passion for what he did in development, uh, and his daughter took it over. Yeah. And so she's continuing that passion, and I think that's a really important piece. But that's the easy part, right? The developing of the players is the easy part. I think yeah. one of the challenges is that select is different than clubs that I've been in, okay. right? So it's a matter of like educating the parents, right? And what does that development look like? And sometimes parents go a little too fast on things. Yeah. And yeah. we're like, okay, well, they're eight. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's take a breath. Yeah. Or like with my 17s, I, I go to 04, 05, 06s, and then I work with the 2014 age group. Yeah. And the goalkeepers. Right. So I'm all over the place. But the challenge is navigating who am I training today. But it sometimes it's the parent piece. Sure. Like just educating parents because it's changed. They want right. to be so involved. Right. You didn't have to deal that with that in the college game, huh? No, no, it's so. player mostly in college. Yeah. Now that's changing in itself, but it's educating parents just to say, okay, well, here is a great start for you. Yeah. Right, and and then we bring in professionals like Sky Eddie. We just bought soccer parenting. Right. And our parents love it. That's awesome. Right. So yeah. so it, it's finding other professionals who can help in a realm that I'm so new to. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and making sure that we're on the right journey together. Player retention is super important. Sure. 
and and having a great experience. Yeah. So how can we provide that while also building a program where we're winning national championships? Yeah. Do you have a coaching methodology or like coaching curricular? Is that like is that not necessarily your responsibility? Like, what do you what are you looking for? Let's say in uh, in your coaches. Yeah. And even I'll, I'll ask a follow up to start it. And from what you've seen, where do you think that youth coaches need to develop? I think sometimes we get a little too serious. Yeah. Like we forget about the fun parts. Okay. And I think everybody has like a decent balance. I think sometimes we go overboard, including myself. Yeah. Uh, even with um, with the 2014s, like where does our priority lie and what we want to do? Um, the tough part is that soccer is a business. Sure. Right? Like, and when we're in an area where we're competing with others, it's tough. Yeah. Um, and then you want to be able to build a program and what that looks like. But I think sometimes we take it too serious, but at the same time, it's how are we doing right by the kids? Like, how right. we even see it. Kids don't play in the street anymore. Right. Right? Like, they're, at least from a girl's side, they're not really playing and growing up and just going out and doing things on their own. Mm -hmm. Everything is organized. So I think as coaches, the question is, how can we foster that creativity within our training sessions? Let them have fun. As coaches, we need to be creative of how we're teaching athleticism. I was watching Stacy Wilson's yeah, session yeah. today. Like, amazing. And I, I wish everybody was there to see it just because of some of the things that she was doing in, in fostering movement that kids don't see these days that yeah. maybe like I grew up with that you learn just by playing in the street right, or right. in the schoolyard that they don't have so I think that's a part of what we need to do I think we get so serious on the curriculum mm -hmm. like I love a good curriculum yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna like make no bones about it like right. I want to know like what the path is for the players and 100%. what the goals are yeah but sometimes we're going to have to deviate away from that because today we're just going to play with balloons and we're going to run around and be silly because we have to work on hand-eye coordination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like stuff like that. It's, I think like, it's funny you say that. I've seen a lot more recently about people just playing with balloons. Really? And just like, yeah. And, and it, you know, like the, I mean, it's just like the simple game, hit the balloon, don't yeah. let it hit the ground. Yes. You know, and people are running left and right, but yes. it's all the change of direction and the hand-eye coordination, yeah. keeping it up. But yeah, that's funny you said because I've been, yeah. I've been seeing a lot more of that recently. Yeah, and girls don't traditionally, right? They, if they're soccer players, we're not seeing them like, uh, I'm like moving my arms as if everybody can see <laughs> me, but they don't play games with their upper body. Right. So they lose hand-eye coordination and the ability to read the ball. Yeah. And so... How can we get things where they're moving and they have to read things and it's not everything where our head is down? Yeah. Like that's where I think like we could be better as educators. Sure, sure. In that respect. So you've been in the college game a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. What do you miss about the college game now and what don't you miss? Oh, that's tough. I go on this on a daily basis. Yeah. Like like working with older players who have uh, sometimes by the end of their careers a bigger understanding of like like the big picture mm -hmm. like what's important to sure. us right where the younger players in the college system the first years they don't understand right their heads are spinning like they're just trying to play catch up because everything is so different than yeah club. it's probably the hardest transition um so i miss that i miss the even at the 18 to 22 year old like the development process is still different because they're trying to understand where they fit in the big picture. What I don't miss about the college game is that I think the college game is basically professionals with a different name. 
Interesting. I don't like. I think that, and I say this all the time. Uh, now I think, especially with the mid majors, I, I understand the power fives. They're in a different bucket. Yeah. But when you're looking at mid majors or low mid majors, um, I think uh, like administration. Everybody thinks that they can win when you only have one winner yeah. at the end of a game. But everybody thinks that they should win when there's nothing. There's nothing equal in college sports. Yeah, right. And nothing is fair, but yet they still believe that you need to figure out how to win. So I, I don't miss that. That's my yeah, least favorite. Yeah, part. you could you could go down a rabbit hole too on that. Just on on that alone. That's a different but, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. What do, what do you think the or what do you hope the future of U.S. youth soccer looks like? I would love for someone to figure out a model uh, at the most top level uh, to figure out how kids could. It's not a pay-to-play. Right. And I don't know how many people say that, but I know I grew up in I've been, I've been thinking of the same way, but it's like, like I, I've always, like, yeah. how, how do you make it happen? How do you, yeah. you, you find pockets. I think yeah. that you can, right? Mm. I think that um, there is a place for it. I think that there is a group of players that are left out yeah. at the higher levels, especially on the girls' side, who financially can't afford things. For sure. And I would love, it's a, we can get into politics another day, but it's a capitalistic <laughs> society, right? Yeah, so, like, yeah. you can run your own business and you can be really successful, and that's amazing, too. But I think we leave out uh, groups that can't afford that. Right. Or traditionally, or if we have them fill out paperwork, right? That yeah. they, they can't fill out paperwork, right? right? And so I, I would love to figure out a system where uh, there's nothing. They don't have to pay for anything. There are really great people out there who would love to be an investor yeah. and just support kids, or even from a city or town standpoint, just sure. support. So I, I'd love to see youth sports go in that direction. Yeah, and get away from all the nine-hour road trips you're doing every, <laughs> every, every weekend, right? I, I don't yeah. know what it looks like for you guys. Yeah, the but, Girls Academy uh, there, I think yeah. our opening weekend is like Rochester and Syracuse, and then the following weekend yeah. we're in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I don't love that part. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't blame you. I, you should, that's like the ideal world, right? I Having think. a not pay to play structure in, in some capacity. Very to get, much an to get, idealist. Yeah, to get to get the best the best players yeah, involved. Yeah. Um, when you when we talk about your college coaching experience, what would you say? Because you you had you were at BU, you? so you got to learn was from BU twice. Yeah, BU yeah. twice. Yeah, I mean, so you know, what did you learn from your experiences there? Because you yeah. were head coach as well. I was right? head coach so, at Fordham. Yep. Yeah, assistant at St. John's for a short time with Ian, right? Head coach, at, uh, associate head coach with Nancy Feldman. Yeah, played for Nancy as well. So okay, like, very cool. So, so Nancy in herself is like her own business. Yeah, like yeah. that she operates on a different level. I think right. even at twenty five years old, I felt like I could not keep up. Yeah, with well, her. Yeah, like the way she goes about things, how the how fast she moves. Yeah. And how fast their brain thinks, I, I could not operate at that level. Yeah. But it, it's a different world, right? Like, to, to be able to work with individuals like Ian Stone, like Nancy Feldman, have really great mentors outside of that, like Becca Burley, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of other people. It, it, it's incredible to be surrounded by in working for Nancy. She's created kind of like this space where everybody knows that she's the best, so, like, you're given opportunity because, like, you're... 
you've worked with Nancy, yeah. so like that yeah. has opened doors in itself. But she she prides herself, or she did as she retired, but she right. uh, prides herself on culture, right? So everything was culture based. And then when it came to the soccer point, she's one of the best teachers of the game, right? And she knew that she might not be able to get the best athletes, but she's going to find technical players who have a really good soccer IQ. Yeah. So I think that was a little bit different than sure. maybe how U.S. college systems were going. Yeah. yeah. Like she was always against the grain. She does things differently. And right. So like you start to think about like how does this work in a different system or a different model? Yeah. And is it sustainable? What about your head coach? What were some takeaways from your time as a head coach? Oh, so every day was a new learning opportunity, but yeah. uh, every day was also right at the college level. You're fighting against other things. You want it to be really soccer based. You want it to be culture focused, but then yeah. uh, there's academics. Right. <laughs> like, right. It is. Yeah, there are a lot of takeaways. I think the management system when you're a head coach is, is very different when you're an assistant coach. Yeah. I think probably that's the biggest area that I, I grew, um, is like how to manage, how to communicate, how to meet people or players where they're at, Yeah. because it, it is player driven. Right. Right. So if the players are unhappy, you have to figure that part out. Um, and which is much different than the youth level. The youth level, you can say, nope, this is the way. Right. Like, I'm going to meet you where you're at, but I'm going to push you over to my side. Right. Where at the college level, it's we have to work together, and this is what it's going to look like. Right, so it, it, and then the X's and O's are different at college based right. on the game. Right? So like my two growth areas would be my knowledge of the game. Like as an assistant coach for Nancy, it's one system. Then I had to figure out the system for them. Yeah. Right, and it's different because you're recruiting different players, right. different parts of the country. Um, and then just management and communication to players. Yeah. How to, how how effectively or. How important is effective communication? So important, and I wasn't perfect all the time. I had right. my moments. No, I mean nobody is. Awful. Nobody is, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that I think we all can get better at because, as we see, like every, every I mean, one, everybody's different, but two, it's like you know, kids, people are always changing. So, um, for me, I know it's something that I've always tried to get better at. It's just effective communication is consistent, really consistent communication to me is effective. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes when you actually have a real conversation with a college player, like I have conversations now with college players at other schools, Yeah. right? And we talk about what their communication with their coaches look like. And I think if if coaches understood that sometimes lack of communication also affects their mental health, yeah. like in decisions that we make, although we understand or although our thought process is what's in the best interest of the program, right. not so much the individual. I think if we flipped it around and said what's in the best interest of the individual, yeah. not things would be a lot smoother, but I think we would have players that might be in a better place and have a better experience For sure. than For sure. at the end of their career. Yeah, I think we as coaches get caught up in what's best for the program and how do we win because it's our livelihood, right? And it's our job. Excuse me. Um, and we forget that we're still working with humans and individual players who they want to be here for four years on the best experience, or in some cases, seven years. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, what, what else are some other areas that you feel that you've grown in aside from the communication? I'm a lot older now. Like, yeah. I think, like, I am... am working towards like a, at some point in my career right it was building a resume what does it need to look like how do I get to the highest level mm -hmm. right. then I ended my time at Florida um, 
and moved back to Boston, helped, helped Nancy retire there, right, and then move into the youth world. And so, like, in this kind of transition, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it my midlife crisis, yeah, yeah. right, in, in searching of what I want. I, I want to be able to make an impact on whatever it is, the youth model, the professional model, yeah. right, the college model, um, and be able to navigate what that looks like so like I can live an authentic life in the system that I'm in where I can not only be myself but I can express different things yeah. and not be uh, swept aside based off of those beliefs, yeah. right? And, and that's an important piece and, and what does that look like I think is, is different right now per each organization but I'm on that path and journey to say okay I'm a good enough coach sure like that's the easy right. part but like where does the ability to mentor and grow individuals and have those conversations those tough conversations of like what is the world like yeah right yeah. it's kind of like where I'm meandering my world to I love that yeah. I love that going back to communicating mm -hmm. how do you what are some ways that you do that with the club? Like, are you working on IDPs? Like, how do you, with 850 players, you know, I don't how, do all of them. You don't, right, right. So, um, what, are, what are some of the things that you guys that you guys use in the club? Yeah, so the club right now is going through individual meetings with families, okay. right? Like, so with my 2014 age group, I did parent check-ins yeah. in like October, November, where like, I want parents to be able to get used to like reaching out and understanding like it's okay to have a conversation with a coach like parents are invested sure. in what their kids are doing and it's great and their support is awesome but they also need to know like why we do things yeah right so part of like the check-in process is also the education process right and so coaches are right now having player meetings with parents involved like about like what does their idp look like yeah and some of it is short term right we're sure, going through what march looks like and then we'll reevaluate where maybe players fit yeah uh because because that's select like there there's a program for everybody it's not just one team in each age group. Right. We could have four or five right. in each age group. And so that looks a little different based off of the levels that we offer and like the expectations yeah. of what the program has. We have an academy system. Right. Then we have a, a second level group uh, in the Impact League, which is a new England-based league. And some of those players can be academy players, but they want to do other things. Right. Right? They right. want to other things. And then we have the elite level, which is our third group. So. We basically have something for everybody. So right. at different levels, there might be different type of feedback. But a part of it is that education process and that IDP piece. And our younger players are getting technique at some point, right. And we're getting them do the training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, getting all we're that. getting all the great stuff. And so, but we also want them to own what that looks like. Yeah. Right. That and makes sense. Yeah. We want to teach them how to train on their own, too. So right. I mean, that's, that's the best way to do it. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's my train of thought. That's what came over. Um, oh, that's a really good one. Oh, that's right. Um, how do you guys measure success at your club? From the academy systems, it's wins, right? Wins. It's championships. It's our 06 team made it to the academy finals and played against the EFC and Albion, right? Yeah. And, and that's a measure of success, right? We want our academy teams. We want our teams to play a good style and be able to solve. Yeah pressure, have a good understanding of soccer IQ. And each co each academy coach trains it differently. Yeah. Right? So I have the oldest age groups now, so my job is to prepare them for college. So what does that look like? I, yeah, that, I mean, this is because every college is now different, every right? College, so yeah. 
and we have a kid going to UCLA and William and Mary and we have yeah. Ben Bryant, right? And we have some of the NISCAC schools. So like we have yeah. a very wide range. Right. How do I prepare uh, my individual who's going to UCLA right. versus like I said, William and Mary and, Renet, uh, William and, Mary and NISCAC. And so like the, I, I think that's a big part of it. So that, that also in a sense adds another responsibility I think to the teams and coaches as well to really watch the level that they're going to and say, Jessica, you fit this style. Just, you know, you fit this style, go play here. It's like, because I think too, like everyone, everyone, we're all bashing the transfer portal, like kids are quitting, but a lot of it too to me, Yeah. but I mean, that's another conversation. We've, we've had like all of <laughs> You have we, so many podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think for me, a lot of it too is coaches and players not actually vetting and watching the next level to be like, oh, I fit in this system. Oh, I don't fit in this system. They have this deep, a majority of them have a deep D1 bust mentality. Right, right. And when we look at the portal and we say there's over 900 yeah. women soccer players in the portal, how, what's the percentage that actually is going to be picked up? And why? You have right. to have some type of resume if you're sure. going to be picked up, right? 100%. On, 100%. Right? Yeah. Or someone's going to have to have a history of you as a player. Right, right. Right? And, and so, like, I think this D1 bus mentality, and I'm having a, like, a, we're going through college advising sessions, and I'm having the conversations with parents of saying, like, how long do you want to sit for? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you tell me you want to play, you play on a really good team. Right. Like, what are we looking at? And the reality is some Division One coaches need that roster set of spots from number 22 to 30. Right. Right. But another roster, you might be number five. Right. And it's a matter of, like, you will have a great opportunity. You will potentially play immediately or have a better experience. Right. Where, like, some of these players that are coming back from D1 and they're young and they're not playing, they didn't actually hear what the coach was saying to them. Or they them. didn't want to believe it. And they didn't yeah. want to believe it because I think a lot of these players say, like, well, I'll work hard. Mm. and I'll do this. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the only thing. Right. Like, that's a great mentality to it have. Is. But you got to think all the 30 other girls, are in, they have the same mentality. And it's college, and yeah. everybody is like right. that. Most players are like right. that, right? right? So, like, you're competitive in spirit, so how do you figure it out? So, I think that, the, let's just look, so we look at John Hopkins, who won right. the D3, D3 yeah. National Championship, right? Like, nine, nine fifth years. Amazing. Yeah. You know, like I had a player from Fordham that played for four years, was a starter for me. She's getting her master's at John Hopkins. Yeah. Won a national championship. That's awesome. That's right? Awesome. Like yeah. there's a UPenn player there. There's a Penn State player there. And yeah. now they're in their own bucket, to sure. be fair. Like sure. not every Division three can pull that off. Of course, off. of course. But, but look at this. Yeah. And, and it's funny too. Um, a while ago, coach said to me, I think it was a Division three lacrosse coach, it's like winning a national championship. It's the same feeling, regardless of level, right? Like, you think those Johns Hopkins girls felt any different than the UCLA team that won, right? No. It's you know, it's a national championship, correct? And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think I mean that's awesome for them, but yeah. it's about you know understanding what you want, and making sure that you need to know what you want to get out of right. it, right. and really try to listen to when coaches are talking to you and understand what they're yeah. saying, and and if you can't understand it, just be straight up and ask them. I. Me personally, I don't think a lot of coaches would sit and lie to a girl's face. At least I hope not. I agree. Um, I think for the most part, they're straight up, but at the same yeah. time, they also recognize that they want or need this player in their program. And they could, they could and be they, a fit. Yeah. Correct. So. And it could be a great culture fit, but 
from a playing perspective, if a coach says that you're a developmental player, right? Understand that you're a developmental player. Correct. <laughs> like, uh, not just hard work is going to get yeah. you there. So yeah. I, I think that's also a portion of like where parents can come in and understand that For part sure. and. Like not, they also have this D one bus mentality. Right, right. I think that there's a place for everybody. 100%. You just really have to work hard at finding what that is. Exactly. So. But it, it's good that you're in the position that you're at too, because you've seen the game, you understand it, you understand yeah. the levels. I mean, it's so now you can help guide the players and, and you know and, re, and <laughs> translate a little bit too that that coaching and bond. I don't have yeah. to sell them so right. I will just say hey listen this is what he this is what he or she's actually saying correct <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a translator at times yeah, I hear you but Jessica I appreciate you taking the time thank you, thank you. this was a wealth of information I appreciate it thank All you right.